0: psychedelics, hallucinogenics. Is there any promise for them as a treatment for depression and anxiety? Tune in to find out only here on the People Scientist podcast. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast for Episode 102, where every week I arm us with some scientific information so that we can all be a little bit smarter and healthier with every episode. How are you today? Are you doing okay? I hope that you are doing well, and thank you for inviting me into your day today, and I hope that I can offer you something to think about with today's episode. So what are we going to be talking about today? For quite some time, I've been wanting to cover the topic of psychedelics or hallucinogenics in the treatment of depression. Microdoses or very low doses of these illicit drugs have been studied as a potential treatment for people living with mood disorders like depression. Indeed, there are clinical trials looking into this. So without further ado, Let's start off, as we always do, with some core takeaways. Psychedelics or hallucinogens can induce or can include compounds like LSD, psilocybin from the quote-unquote magic mushrooms, or DMT, coined the spirit molecule that can be found in ayahuasca, which is part of some cultural traditions. These compounds might temporarily induce a positive mood and hallucinations, depending on the concentration and dose taken. Now, back in the 1960s and 70s, these drugs were studied in patients with terminal illnesses in order to see if it could improve their quality of life at the end of their life. Then in the 1980s, these types of clinical trials were banned due to regulations and making these drugs illegal. But in the last 10 years, clinical trials have started up again to study the ability of these psychedelic drugs to treat mood disorders like depression and anxiety. Now, the clinical trials tend to be with smaller groups of people like 12 to 20 people and typically without a control group. However, the data is very promising. With just one to two doses of a psychedelic, lasting effects on reduced symptoms of depression and anxiety have been seen lasting up to six months. So are these psychedelics safe? Well, in these trials, the participants were monitored while on the drug, and psilocybin and DMT from ayahuasca appear to have a very low risk of misuse. LSD, however, seems to have a higher risk for paranoia and fear, which seems to lessen when done in a supervised medical setting. And because so many individuals battle with depression that is resistant to treatment, I think looking at alternatives in a scientifically rigorous way is a great idea. And I hope more data on this topic comes out soon. As always, seek the advice of your physician. I'm just sharing some scientific evidence. Now, let's get into those details. Depression and anxiety are debilitating conditions that impact a significant proportion of people around the world. It is thought that mood disorders might be a result of a disruption of some neurotransmitters and pathways in the brain, such as the serotonergic system. Much focus has been put on serotonin in the context of mood disorders like depression and anxiety, but current antidepressant medications targeting serotonin are only effective in a proportion of people. Some 50% of individuals still battle with mood disorders and are unable to find adequate treatment. So looking to other strategies to manage mood disorders is key. Of course, lifestyle factors and nutrition are important. For example, it is key that I mention other neurotransmitters besides serotonin like GABA and glutamate are increasingly being recognized as playing a role in mental health and well-being. Now, why this is important, recognizing that other neurotransmitters play a role, is because it gives us a new target to aim for in regard to promoting mental health. For example, we know that the ketogenic diet may increase GABA in the brain. This is why this diet was originally created over 100 years ago, in order to change the neurotransmitter profile of the brain to reduce seizures in children that had treatment-resistant epilepsy. This same mechanism of increasing GABA in the brain by the ketogenic diet may hold benefit not just for epilepsy, but for depression, and even potentially alcohol withdrawal for individuals living with alcohol use disorder. But that is a topic for another episode. This is an area that interests me greatly. But today we are talking mostly about serotonin and its role in mood disorders and mental health. The reason being is because drugs like LSD or psilocybin or DMT seem to target serotonin and is thought to be the mechanism by which they may induce these beneficial effects to mood and mental health. These drugs are classified as 5-HT2A receptor agonists. They were the first to be investigated as therapeutic potentials back in the 1960s. This topic makes me consider the question, why did the government deem certain substances as illegal and others not? Like, why are alcohol and nicotine legal and psilocybin is not? Who made these decisions decades ago and based on what scientific evidence? This is something that scientists in the area question as well. Now, I'm not saying that all of these drugs should be legal, but I'm curious why some are and some are not. Because if the decision was based on keeping the population safe and healthy, well, we know alcohol and nicotine clearly have significant negative health effects, so this logic does not seem to coincide with why they would have deemed something like psilocybin illegal. But regardless of that philosophical debate, Let's talk about the science. So let me introduce you to a few psychedelic compounds. Ayahuasca contains the DMT spirit molecule. It is a botanical hallucinogen traditionally used by particular cultural groups for ritual and medicinal purposes. It contains the psychedelic compound N-dimethyltryptamine, or DMT. Now studies in healthy volunteers and animals have noted the potential of ayahuasca or DMT to reduce depression and anxiety it can improve mood and reduce panic-related signs. Additionally, longitudinal observational studies and ritual users of ayahuasca have suggested that ayahuasca is not detrimental to psychological well-being and seems to, in fact, be associated with a reduced incidence of mood disorders. Like ayahuasca, psilocybin is a naturally occurring plant alkaloid found in some mushroom species. Now, in rodent experiments... Administration of psilocybin has been linked to cognitive flexibility, cortical neuroplasticity, and a reduction in antidepressant or reduction in depressive responses. These effects have also been observed in healthy volunteers, with psilocybin causing sustained improvements in mental well-being and optimism, as was shown by Griffiths in 2008. This compound has a well-established physiological and psychological safety profile, and has a very low risk of misuse. That's one reason why scientists wanted to start studying something like psilocybin again, because of its low side effect profile and its low risk of misuse. In contrast, another psychedelic, LSD, is a semi-synthetic hallucinogen. Studies from the 60s and 70s in patients with life-threatening cancer concluded that LSD could reduce feelings of fear, anxiety, and could increase their positive mood. Compared to psilocybin, LSD is thought to be more emotionally intense with a higher risk of paranoia. Although this can result in severe anxiety and panic attacks at high doses, administration of LSD in a medical setting with appropriate psychological support often safeguards against this. But it's important to keep in mind that LSD may carry more risk than the others. So can these compounds be of any benefit in mood disorders, or can they promote mental health? LaReich well, in 2018 wrote a review in the journal Progress, Neuropsychopharmacology and Biological Psychiatry, about psychedelics in the treatment of anxiety and depression, particularly in a palliative care population, meaning in individuals who have a terminal illness that may not have much longer to live. In this particular patient population, feelings of dread, fear of death, not wanting to be a burden on others are very common feelings so it was hypothesized that low doses of psychedelic compounds may enhance their quality of life. In this review by Reich in 2018, 11 clinical trials including nearly 450 people were identified in which the treatment of patients with terminal illness was conducted with serotonergic hallucinogens. Back in the 60s and 70s, doses of LSD in the range of 100 to 500 micrograms were provided to people with terminal cancer or other terminal diagnoses. The scientists noted a reduction in pain, which was even better than opioids like morphine, which is pretty profound. Although the scientists noted that it did take longer for LSD to reduce the pain versus the opioids. However, the lasting effects on reducing pain were much longer with LSD versus opioids. Often weeks of reduction of pain were occurring from a single dose. Scientists also noted an improvement in the patient's mood and their desire to be sociable. Now how about in participants that don't have a terminal illness? In a study by Griffiths in 2006, a higher dose of psilocybin at 30 mg, or methylphenidate at 40 mg as an active comparator control, were administered to a sample of 36 healthy hallucinogen-naive subjects, so people that had never experienced hallucinogens before. This was done in a double-blind crossover design. Now, 22 of the 36 subjects fulfilled the criteria for having a mystical peak experience. Positive after-effects were measured at 14 months of follow-up, so this was a well-designed longer-term study. Now, they had noted increased well-being and life satisfaction in 64% of the subjects, 58% of the subjects rated the experience as one of the most meaningful they've ever had, and 67% rated the experience as one of the most spiritually significant experiences they've had. These positive effects provide the rationale as to why psychedelics might be studied in the context of people provided a diagnosis of a life-threatening disease or in order to improve their quality of life. Because the majority of the participants in this study rated a positive effect on their mood that lasted upward of 14 months. Now, Mutton in the journal Effective Disorders in 2019 also wrote a nice review on this topic, specifically in the context of individuals battling with mood disorders that were treatment-resistant, meaning that individuals had tried many medications or lifestyle interventions, and their symptoms of depression still persisted. So in this review, seven studies with 130 patients were analyzed. Three of the trials were conducted in patients living with depression, two of the trials in patients with anxiety, and two trials in patients that had both. Now, in a supportive setting, ayahuasca, psilocybin, or LSD consistently produced immediate and significant antidepressant and anxiety-reducing effects that were endured for several months. The psychedelics were also well-tolerated with a very low side effect profile. The most common side effects were transient anxiety, short-lived headaches, nausea, and mild increases in heart rate and blood pressure. So let's get into the details of one of those trials included in this review. Carhart-Harris in the journal Psychopharmacology in 2018 conducted a clinical trial in 20 patients with severe treatment-resistant unipolar depression, which is the most common form of depression. The aim of the trial was to see if two oral doses of psilocybin at 10 and 24, seven days apart, if that could provide, in a supportive setting, a reduction in depression symptoms. Their symptoms were assessed at one week and six months after the doses of psilocybin. At baseline, their depression severity score was approximately 18, which indicated severe depression. Now, one week after the psilocybin treatment, their average depression score dropped to approximately 8. So it started at 18, dropped down to 8, so it dropped by 10 points. That's quite significant. Their score for depression remained around 8 for approximately 5 weeks post the two doses of psilocybin. Their severity of depression started to increase to a score of 12 around the 3-month mark, but remained around 12 on average at 6 months. So the two doses resulted in a sustained improvement, with the best results lasting approximately 5 weeks. Now this was a smaller study that was not placebo-controlled, so placebo effect could have occurred. However, as a pilot study, these results are very promising, particularly considering that this was done in a population of individuals where previous conventional treatments had failed them. So, if psychedelics may have a benefit in depression, how is it doing it? What is the mechanism? Well, these drugs act on specific serotonin receptors called 5-HT2A receptors. These receptors are expressed in the frontal limbic areas of our brain and can increase levels of the excitatory neurotransmitter called glutamate as well. Now, this action on these receptors can have lasting changes to our brain called neuroplasticity. Now, neuroplasticity indicates the flexibility and adaptation of connections in the brain, These adaptations may be associated with increases in introspective thought and positive mood, and sometimes with long-term improvements in psychiatric symptoms, and even increases in some personality traits such as openness, improvements in emotional processing, and increased empathy. The neurotransmitter serotonin can also result in inhibition of the amygdala via the medial prefrontal cortex. Our amygdala of our brain being hyperactive has been linked to depressive symptoms and if we normalize the amygdala activity it has resulted in antidepressant effects. Psychedelics as serotonergic agonists can enhance amygdala inhibition or reduce amygdala activity and this has correlated to an increase in positive mood. So to simplify it again The reason why hallucinogens or psychedelics may have lasting effects on increasing positive mood is because it's increasing serotonin, it's increasing glutamate in particular brain regions, and inhibiting the amygdala of our brain. So that is a wrap, my people, scientist army. Psychedelics like DMT and ayahuasca, psilocybin from quote-unquote magic mushrooms, or the semi-synthetic LSD. LSD have been studied in the context of mood and mental well-being since the 1960s and 70s. There was a hiatus of clinical research in this area for a few decades, and now the ability to study psychedelics in clinical populations has once again begun. In patients with life-threatening illnesses like terminal cancer, psychedelics may impart a positive mood, reduce their pain, and reduce fear and anxiety, essentially enhancing their quality of life at the end of their life. In individuals with treatment-resistant depression and anxiety, one to two doses of a psychedelic like psilocybin has shown to have lasting effects on reducing their mood disorder symptoms. The benefits seem to endure up to five weeks, with some lasting benefits seen even at six months just from the one to two doses. The safety profile of psilocybin seems to be better than that of LSD, as LSD may induce paranoia and fear part of the reason why scientists wanted to start studying psychedelics again is because of their low side effect profile and their low risk of misuse. Now, how might psychedelics be enhancing mental health or mood? It appears that they act on the serotonin receptors in particular parts of our brain in order to reduce amygdala activity, and this seems to correlate with positive mood. Now, the data is still fairly preliminary, with most studies not being properly controlled or blinded, and with smaller sample sizes. However, the data seems very interesting and promising. Currently, many individuals battle with mood disorders without having an effective treatment strategy. So studying alternative approaches in a scientifically rigorous manner I think is always a great idea. And I hope more scientific evidence on this topic will be published soon. So that is it for today, my People Scientist Army. If you don't already follow me on social media, make sure to do so because that is where I like to post some extra information and some of the studies I cite in each episode. If you by chance want to buy me a coffee to say thanks for the episode, the information on how to do that is in the description box to the show. I hope that you all have a wonderful week and I look forward to meeting you all back here at the same time and same place next week on the People Scientist podcast. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates.